This episode of Bushwood Breakaway is brought to you by rating our podcast five stars on iTunes. Now, does every podcast say this? Yes, absolutely. But what is our goal? What are you doing, Ryan? What do you need to reach, my friend? I'll tell you, right now we are at, I think, 32 or 33 five-star reviews. We're trying to get to 69. Help join the cause to get to 69 five-star reviews on iTunes. Leave a review right at the end of it. Nice. Just nice. Just space. Nice. Enter. Nice. Go to iTunes. Leave the five-star review. Be, say whatever you want. I, I don't care. I hate these guys. Nice. That's all. 69. Let's get there. All right. Great show today. Let's get going. Bye-bye. Or hello. Whatever it is. Okay. Let's go. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and my fellow host, Gregory Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Interesting. I get a song this week. Yeah, I just like to mix it up. That's all it is. Welcome to the Bushwick Breakaway. This week, we'll be talking about Mika Zabinajad's uh, somehow unknown concussion, uh, KDB, the the new magical line, the center depth, and the Iron Man, Henrik Lundqvist, at, at 35 years old. But first, let's do a quick game recap for our listeners that didn't get a chance to watch the game. First, uh, on 12-1, let's go over the Hurricanes game, even though this was the more recent game. This game was closer than the box score says. Now, uh, it was 2-1 until the last two minutes, and then somehow Grabner scored two empty net goals. That guy cannot stop scoring empty net goals. He leads the Rangers in in goals, but there I think seven of them are empty netters. Am I wrong in saying that? It's a lot of empty netters. The Hurricanes did everything that I did during that game, which... Was as soon as Grabner scored the first empty netter to make it three to one, the Hurricanes also turned the game off and went to sleep <laughs> because I, I, Suck it, I honestly, I closed, I closed my computer. I was like, "That's it. It's three one. Game's over. I don't expect anything else to happen." I get to work the next morning, and the Rangers, like the headline is Rangers route Hurricanes five to one. I was like, "That is misleading because I don't even think they scored five goals." And it turns out they did. They did. Grab, but, Grabner scores again because he cannot miss empty nets. He just has the speed to somehow score them, and it's his one true knack. When there's no goaltender, he scores. Go figure. Yeah, it's uh, it was not a route. The Rangers that was a that was basically a fifty fifty game the entire time, and then the Hurricanes pulled their goalie, gave up a goal, and then turned it off from there and gave up two more. But that's the most misleading five one scoreline I've ever seen in my entire life. One hundred percent. And then uh, the game before that, well, I guess we should talk about how uh, the the Panthers Ranger game Mika Zibanejad was scratched. Like, I don't know, 15 minutes before the game, I was flying on a plane to Chicago. And when I landed, it was like, Mika's out. I was like, what the fuck? Supposedly, he got a concussion in the game before, in the Canucks game? Against, against, no, the Red Wings game. The Red Wings game. game. Red Wings game. Sorry yep. about that. Uh, he, got hit, he got hit hard by um, Darren Helm. It looked like when it happened that Zibanejad picked up some kind of injury because he was slow getting to the bench. But, yeah, then he played... Uh, an entire game after that and was ready to go for the next game and the Rangers finally scratched him saying something's not something's not right. Now my- that's the crazy thing about concussions. They take they don't just happen. Like you can get one and it can take a couple days to realize you have one. That's insane. I, I mean, he he shouldn't have passed the concussion protocol, but I guess he did. And then, uh, so I I don't know if he's just trying to be a tough hockey player and be like, I don't have anything. And then all of a sudden he was like, guys, I can't stand up. Um, but you, there's no real timetable for return on concussion, guys. That's no. There's no such thing as a Stefania Bell favorite, to quote an old favorite podcast of mine. There's no such thing as a minor concussion. So I'm not really rushing Mika Zibanejad back in, despite the need for center depth on this team. Guys, we have no centers. Like, 
Yeah, and I will. I will say this though: uh, the Rangers must feel confident that Zibanejad will not be out a very long time because they have not replaced his spot on the roster. They have not. That is correct. Uh, and I don't know how you judge those sort of things. Like each day, it, can't it just go up and down? Can't one day be worse than the next with with Mika Zibanejad's concussion? I'm not a doctor. Don't quote me. But I just feel like you can't really put a timetable on this. It's not a. It's not a hamstring strain. It's no. a serious brain injury. There's no straight line recovery from head injuries of any kind. It's truly an injury where you're ready when you're ready. And there's nothing that's going to dictate when you're ready except your own personal health. It can, it, Zibanejad is just as likely to be ready this time next Monday as he is to be ready this time in January. A month from now, yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't want him to rush back. His health and, you know, we watched what happened to Mark Stahl. After he had a concussion, he was never the same player. Rick Nash, when he got his concussion, he really slowed down. I want Mika to take his time. Yeah, I want him playing. He's one of the top three players on this team. We made a great great deal signing him. But I just need him to stay healthy and be good for the long term. So I, I hope he takes his time and doesn't try and be a tough, quote-unquote, hockey player uh, to to rush back. Yeah, no, it's there's no point. As as hurting as the Rangers are in terms of center depth, uh, that is a self-inflicted injury. The Rangers had all the opportunity in the world to address their own center depth issues, especially after their step on trade, um, and they just haven't done it. But this is exactly why the Rangers should have, because you can't predict perfect health from any hockey player. So the fact that the Rangers left themselves in a position where an injury to either – Mika Zibanejad or Kevin Hayes could put them in this kind of situation. That's that's on them. They knew this was a possibility, and they did nothing to help themselves from when something like this would happen. So I, it's it's hard not to be frustrated with Rangers management because everyone and their mother knew the Rangers had center depth issues, and the Rangers did nothing to address those center depth issues, at least in terms of guys that can immediately help. Yes, the Rangers drafted Philip Heedle. Yes, the Rangers drafted Leas Anderson, but the team has made it clear that neither of those players were truly in their plans for this season. So you can't consider them center depth, which means this team very willingly went into the year with Zibanejad Hayes, DeHarnay, possibly JT Miller, and Booney Evans. Well, Miller, Miller's now entrenched at center, and he's not going anywhere. Uh, no, he can't. He, he can't. If he does, I don't know what the Rangers would do. No, what do they play? So now JT Miller's third line center, Hayes stays second, and then KBD or KB, whatever, KDB becomes the first line. And when DeArnay, guys, DeArnay looked great in the Panther game. I know we lost. It was a devastating, heartbreaking loss in the last minute. Uh, I disagree. I don't think he looked great in the Panther game. Really? Why? Uh, I think think he played a prominent role on one of the three goals he was involved in. The other two goals, I think, were just Kreider and Buchnevich doing great things and DeArnay. Just happened to be there. My next point was going to be he did look great for who he who he is as a player, and you can look great next to the two best players on the team. I I think I think we were just as likely to get secondary assists on those Kreider and Buchnevich goals as David Deharnay was. The one of the one of the goals Deharnay had a beautiful pass to set up the shot, and it was the primary assist. But the other two, it was the equivalent of Deharnay getting the puck to a more talented teammate who then did magical things with that puck to get it to another talented teammate. I love both those I, men, by the way. I just, I, I would, just because DeHarnay had a three-point night, I would not say that DeHarnay was 
exceptional that night. He was bad in the first period. Uh, he is always miscast on the power play unit. You have to take him off the power play unit. You've had to take him off the power play unit since the season began. And it, it, it was Drew and I got into an argument over whether the Rangers were even right to just simply plug and play. What was your on the first line? Um, it, I understand it. I can understand it in the terms of a very short term. This happened just before the game. It's a lot easier just to put a guy in and let everyone else play <clears throat> where they were going to play the where it's supposed to play that night. Uh, I don't understand it. If you have time to practice and reconfigure your, your lines, I don't know why DeHarnay is remaining on that line. I don't know why JT Miller or Kevin Hayes is not ge- being given an opportunity to play with Buchnevich and Kreider and see if their games can blossom even further. I don't know why that's not happening. Now, I understand you don't want to break up Hayes and Nash. They've been fantastic. Yeah. Fine. I, I totally get that because – it is what it is. Um, as well as Zuccarello has played with Miller, I don't think it's necessarily been – I you can't break up that comp, that duo great like it has with Hayes and Nash. Um, and I, I just – I don't know why you can't just move Miller up to the top line, let him play between Buchnevich and Kreider, and then you can have – you can put Zuccarello on the second line with Hayes and Nash and – just reconfigure your lines from down there. I just, I feel like it's going to bite the Rangers sooner rather than later with DeHarnay on that top line. Definitely. And I, it makes me feel again, like they think Mika Sabitajad's going to come back sooner than later, maybe one or two games. That's, that would, that's a good call. Um, it, again, everything the Rangers are doing regarding Zibanejad, there's no way to know when he'll come back, but the Rangers are treating it as if this injury is not long-term. But you because, do know who DeHarnay is matching up with against on Tuesday, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's part of the problem why everything is. So let's talk about that. So the upcoming schedule for the Rangers goes as follows. Uh, today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, it's the Penguins. Then the Friday, the Capitals. And then Saturday, in a back-to-back, it's going to be the Devils. Huh. Do those teams have any notable centers? Uh, um, yeah, a couple. Yeah, I would say. First one being Sidney Crosby. So that's going to be a, a great matchup for DeHarnay to, to go up against. So Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this goes back to the second point you wanted to get on, which is the Rangers have been playing Henrik Lundqvist nonstop. Uh, now it's going to become a problem. Okay. Because now the Rangers have the equivalent of like six games in nine days, and <laughs> they're all against top-tier opponents. Let me get on my little tiny soapbox. Do it. In the offseason – I was very clear that I did not like Pavlik, right? Sure. I, I was like, this is my one real big qualm going into this season. I don't trust our backup. I know Ben Warlair works magic with our with our backups, but yet it seems like no one trusts Pavlik. He's only played four times for us, which, by the way, is miserable. He did come into the game against the Panthers. He played very okay in that game. He wasn't any great shakes. But it's very obvious this Ranger organization does not trust Pavlik in any sort of way. Guys, Keith Kincaid was out there. He's a very suitable backup for the Devils, who are still somehow overperforming. He was a player we could have signed for less money than we signed for Pavlik, and we would have played him. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe Hank's fighting for this time, knowing it's his possible one last year window of greatness. I'm not sure. But this team doesn't start Pavlik. Like, the fact that Pavlik didn't start against the Panthers in the first place is a disgrace. 
Hank started 13 games in a row. He's 35, guys. I know he's the king. I know he's a legend. I know he wants to be out there and it's a hell of a competitor. But just sit him a night. This week is the Penguins, the Capitals, and the Devils. Greg, what do all those have in common? Uh, They're good. Oh, and they're all in the Metro, where we need yeah. to compete. So why well, would... I, two issues with your rant. I hear what you're saying. Okay. One, Kincaid is making more than Pavlik this year. Fair. So dis- dismiss that notion. Kincaid was never coming to the Rangers for the contract that Pavlik signed. Wasn't going to happen. Right. Um, you would have had to give him multiple years. You would have had to give him more money. Both deserved, by the way. Keith deserves both those things. It's just no. Keith is making less. Money than the cap hit is less. It's one point two. So and Pavlik's one point three. Really? Yeah, it's one point two, mm. and and it's one point three for Pavlik. And I would have given Keith Kincaid obviously uh, two years. Sure. Um, all right. So theory one debunked. Theory okay. two nailed it. I don't think this is the Rangers not trusting Pavlik. I just think this is AV. 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 We always go back here, don't we? Yeah, well, it, I, it, it's obvious in this one for me. It's just AV looks at the schedule and sees, well, you know, we're getting days off between games. I guess that is the equivalent of Henrik having ample time off. It's just that's not the case. You, the human body is – it's hard as a professional athlete to play three games in a week, it's even tough. if you have days off in between. Well, the AV came out today and said that Pavlik's going to probably play two of the next six games. The next six games yeah. in a row are Penguins, Capitals, Devils, Stars, Senators, Kings. And there's a back-to-back for the Friday-Sunday with the Capitals. And then there's like a one-day rest between the Stars and Senators. So I'm guessing he's going to play the Devils and Senators game? I, the Senators seems like the obvious one for sure because it's a middling offense. The second one, yeah, I guess the Devils. But that's, not necessarily, so AV, that's not necessarily a game you want to rest Hank for. AV notoriously plays backups against the Capitals. He always does that for some reason. It's true. So I think if, I, if I'm if i a guessing and a betting man, just the guy who follows the Rangers casually and has a shitty podcast, I would bet that Pavlik starts against the Capitals and the Senators. Senators seems like the slam dunk one. Um, yeah, no, but here's, here's the thing. A smart head coach would realize this stretch of games is coming up and would try and buy his goalie who he needs between the, uh, the pipes in must-win situations – rested and ready for this stretch and AV did not do this AV decided just to take it one game at a time not look at the big picture and say that he was giving Hank enough rest simply by the days off the team was having between games that's a joke there was no reason as much as I love that Hank played against the Canucks there was no reason for Hank to play that game uh there really wasn't any reason for Hank to play the Panthers game if he was going to play the Canucks game there were games that you can win with a backup goalie in net on the schedule leading up to this stretch. They were there. As great as Hank has been, you have to give the guy some days off. You have when, well, when Pavlik signed. Right? When Pavlik signed, whoever your backup goalie is, it doesn't matter if it's Pavlik, Kincaid, Talbot. It, it does. I don't give a shit who your backup goalie is. Your backup goalie, when you have a 35 year old starting goaltender, needs to play at least 25 games which means you need to find in the schedule 25 games you think you can win even with a backup goalie in net. And Elaine Vigneault has decided to take the season, instead of looking at it long-term, he's going game by game. And I feel like head coaches, that's a, that's a, that's a failed prophecy to try and win the season game by game. It the just- season is not a one-game sprint. The season is an 82-game marathon, and you need to have an idea – before the season starts, what days 
you think you can buy Henrik Lundqvist days off. And, and you need to realize what games you need to start Henrik Lundqvist. You, these, these are conversations that needed to happen in August. Not something you and I need to be talking about on the eve of a matchup with the Penguins. We do have the best record in the league from October 31st, 11-3, and three, which... Uh, that's that's and it's largely because of Henrik Lundqvist. It would be it is it would be a Hank. lot. We are not saying that Hank hasn't been undeserving of his playing time. It's just it's it's simple. You can't have a starting pitcher pitch every every turn on three days rest. You can't keep playing goaltenders. I don't care who they are. Every goaltender breaks down. The Oilers tried to play nothing but Cam Talbot this year, and he broke down, and now he's out for weeks. It's just I know not- he was playing. He was he wasn't playing great before that, but still, you need to get goalies days off, and you need to know where on your schedule you can get your backup into a game. Pavlik should have played against the Canucks. You could have made an argument that Pavlik could have played against the Red Wings um, before that Canucks game. Could have made the argument that Pavlik could have played against the Panthers. Could have played could against have the Hurricanes on November twenty second. Like, there's so many. I know that was a game probably there, you wanted to win, but... There are a lot of opportunities to get Pavlik in the game, and Elaine Vigneault has decided not to do that. And now it's going to bite him in the ass because the Rangers are going to be in this six-game stretch. And even... Look, even if Hank got rest before the six-game stretch, he's still probably only playing at most five yep. of these next six games. And that's a fully rested Hank. Still, it's just... You need to be smarter. And I feel like we can have this conversation on so many levels with Elaine Vigneault, where it comes down to you and I just complaining about him not being smart enough or tactical enough to manage a hockey team. We've done it about line combinations. We've done it about defensive pairings. And now we're doing it about goalie management. This this coach continues to fail in terms of pregame roster management. And that's a big part of what it takes to be an NHL head coach. When a game starts... No argument for me. Elaine Vigneault, 75% of the time, knows what the fuck he's doing. I still have plenty of issues with when he has final change and he keeps Steve fucking Camper on the ice against the team's top line. But when it, when it comes to preparing this team to play and be at their best on a night-to-night basis, Elaine Vigneault continues to fail on my checklist in terms of what he needs to be doing. Let's, this is on Elaine Vigneault, if you ask me. I, that's the. There's a couple models of this podcast. We get to one later, uh, and that is another one. It's it's on Elaine Vigneault. Let's talk a little bit about the road to the Winter Classic. Uh, we get to watch our Rangers sort of. This is kind of bumming me out. So the road to Winter Classic this year is going to be on uh, NBCSN, and that means one thing, Greg: no cursing. And we're a potty mouth podcast, right? I, yeah. I feel like we don't get to actually see the personalities of these guys like we would other years. And that really kind of – I want to get to know this Ranger team more, and this is a really good opportunity for me. It's going to be every Wednesday at 1130 after December 13th, the Road to the Winter Classic. And I just – it's going to be so censored. It's just going to be like mainstream garbage, right? Am I wrong in saying that? You're not wrong. At the same time, I won't lie to you. I've never really been a big fan of 24-7, which is where this is coming from. Right. I just – it's fine. I'm going to watch. I mean I'm covering it. So, yeah, like I, I think I watched the last time the Rangers were on 24 seven, but it's never memorable. You never really it's kind of like watching hard knocks. You never really learn anything. You think you do, but you don't. It's it's great programming and it's a nice peek inside the locker room that you don't normally get. But 
I don't I don't think you come away with any scorching hot takes that you previously didn't feel or know of. Agree. I will say I will be watching all of it just to kind of, you know, pick out. I can't really get enough Ranger content. It's the one thing that I can't get enough of these days in the media-packed world. Uh, it's my it's my true getaway. So I will be kind of diving into that and seeing if I can pick anything from it. I want to see what they do. make ba- Pavel Buchnevich do if they make him talk about anything because he can't really speak English. I want to see Kreider kind of be a dick. Like, I want to get to know the personality of this team. And uh, I hope that can do it for me. Probably not. I I... Especially since, it, like you said, it's going to be a tamer version. I, I think you're just going to get a lot of we're giving it 110% type interviews. Yeah, I, oh God, I hate that. Let's talk about actually uh, some some media they did for this, I think. Uh, the Rangers did an open practice this weekend in Central Park. Now, I have a complaint about this. Our, sure. our good friend, uh, Dan LaRose, he invited me uh, to come to this practice. I, w- I happened to be in New York City for this. So I was waking up in Queens Astoria the night before. I, I want to shout – just call out the MTA real quick. If you live in New York – I know a lot of listeners don't live in New York. I went to Union Square at 3.30 a.m. I just got out of a movie. Uh, I was going back to Astoria to sleep at my friend's house knowing that I had tickets to the practice the next day. The MTA at Union Square had no machines that took one cash B credit – yeah, I just switched from one to – that's credit. One cash, two debit, three credit. So every single machine at Union Square at every entrance couldn't take my money and I couldn't get a Metro card. So I had to walk 12 blocks to 23rd Street. That's probably not correct math. And, and, and go there. I actually talked to the guy there and I was like, is there any way I can get this? He was like, no. He was like, do you have cash? I was like, no. He's like, can you go to ATM? I was like, I guess I could. But I, the MTA wouldn't let me ride the fucking subway. Screw you guys. Like, I just don't understand. How hard is this to take my money? Yeah, same thing happened to me. Uh, I think not the Canucks game, the Ranger game we went to before that. Mm-hmm. Again, Coyotes. Not, no, we went to a game between the Coyotes and the, the Bruins. Canucks. Bruins, yes. Um, the next day after the Bruins game, I'm trying to get a path train to go home, and it's not taking my debit card. And it's not taking my credit card. <laughs> it's not taking any card I have in my pocket. And I don't have cash. Uh, well, luckily, at least at the PATH station, there was a Wells Fargo ATM right there. Right. But then I don't want to – I didn't want to put $20 on my fucking MT, a Metro card. I just wanted to put $5 on it so I can get on a PATH train. But I also don't want to deal with, like, dollar coins. Yep. So it's either put a $20 bill in there and be cool with, like, $15 coins or just put $20 on my Metro card. And I, I got so pissed that I had to put twenty dollars on my metro card. The point like, of this whole segment for me, Greg, is it's 2017. It doesn't have to be this hard. I'm translating this no. actually to the Rangers practice. I didn't get to go to this Rangers practice, and here's one of the reasons. Part of it's my fault. I did go to bed. I didn't get home till four thirty because of the MTA, so I did sleep a little late. I woke up around ten, and then I talked to Dan, and it's print only. So now, who has a printer? They, my friends didn't have a printer, so I had to walk around Astoria. I don't have my car with me. I have my Metro card. I'm trying to find a place to print. I'm going into a bunch of businesses. People are like, no way. By the time I find a printer, it's 1130 and the practice starts at 12. I'm already already missed out. Why do I have to print my tickets to go to events anymore? It's 2017. I have an electronic phone. I have the barcode on me. Let me in. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I will say that I don't trust electronic tickets. That's fine. Do not trust it. But every we do so many things electronically now, Greg. I just don't understand why I can't. It's a practice. It's not even a game. Like, let me go. I- I, I, I don't know. I uh, I personally would have 
printed out the ticket anyway. Like, I wouldn't have been in the situation my, you were my in. My option was I, I didn't even have an option to find a printer. I was walking around like a chicken without a head in Astoria trying to find a business. There was no FedEx Kinko's or anything like that that was open. That, that would that let feels me print like, it. That feels like Dan should have either sent you the ticket earlier and you printed it out or that's well, your it, fault. No, no, no. It, it, was a, it was a nice gesture by Dan. Like, the, the, the night before it, he was like, listen, I have an extra ticket, season ticket holders only. Do you want to come to this practice? And I said, yeah. But it was I got it late when I was already out out for the night and I had the next morning to find a printer I had no choice it was a really nice gesture by him not exactly sure if if they had to be printed out why didn't Dan just printers out and meet you there great I think because he printed it out at work already on Friday before he left he didn't know it was already like he but he didn't print he didn't print both of them out knowing that it was print only I don't think so I think he printed his out not knowing if he was going to give one away and then he probably had the idea of being like I'm sure I'll get a text message from him when he listens to this uh, he had the idea of like oh shit I could probably just invite Ryan but I don't have it printed out already so I'm not blaming uh, Dan it not, was a really I'm nice not, gesture I'm not here to flame Dan Dan is my my guy and I love every time I get to see Dan at a Ranger game but no it way like, it feels like Dan should have printed both tickets out definitely not uh, it was not maybe I don't know but the foresight was I just can't why can't I use an electronic ticket? Why do I have to run around and try and get a printer? That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm telling you that I personally don't trust electronic tickets. That's I always print. surprise me at all. I, and I understand. But I just I, – I live in a, in a world based on technology and yet we are so inefficient. I'm Team Ryan on the MTA thing. I don't understand why I even need a Metro card. Why can't I just swipe a credit card at a turnstile? Just – or, why, why do I need a Metro card? And speaking why, of which, why doesn't it exist? The LARR just got a fucking app. Why can't I have a Metro card, Metro app where I can just scan my phone and walk right through? That would be amazing. Yeah, that would make sense. I, I, I don't understand why a Metro card in 2017 still needs to exist. It doesn't make it sense doesn't, at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, God. All right. Uh, anything else on the Rangers before we get over to our guest? Uh, let's see. We talked to Harney and how we're not a fan of it. Uh, McDonough's back. Oh, yeah. I mean... We kind of knew that was coming. He's gonna he's gonna be still sort of ginger for a couple games, I think. Well, he looked great against the uh, Hurricanes. Yeah, I think that could regress pretty quick, but we'll see. Well, I'm just happy that uh, Mr. Camper's back. Mr. Camper's Camper not playing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Sir 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 Trash of Shit Can oh is God. back on the bench. All right. So, well, it's just unbelievable. We're gonna. I didn't even introduce our guest at the top of the show. So our, our Greg's friend Tim comes on. We talk about. Uh, a litany of things. We talk about o- Otani, the Giants, college football, a bunch of other fucking nonsense. So stay tuned. Some, uh, some fun. Tim Tim Guidera, he's a reporter in Savannah, Georgia. He and I worked together when I was down there. He's from Staten Island, big Ranger fan, big Yankee fan, big Giant fan. Uh, and some of my favorite Ranger watching moments in Savannah happened with yeah. Tim. And the and the new Bushwick Breakaway model gets discussed. So stay tuned. Uh, and here we go. Transition. Hey, we're back with our first and only guest for the day, Tim's gr- Tim 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 Gadra. That's correct, right? Right, Tim. <laughs> you got it. Yes. Right, nailed it. You are Greg's friend from the south, and used to former coworker in the news business. That's right. All right. We so local and, television down here in Savannah, Georgia. And it happens to be you know a lot about sports, and especially somehow New York sports. How did you come to know about those things? Well, I grew up in Staten Island. Lived there for. Well, right at this point, almost half of my life. So I moved down to Savannah in 1992 for six months and uh, never left. So you were, so, but two, I, you know, I grew up. You were two years off the Ranger run. Yankee fan, yes. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I, well, I had to, I had to leave New York for the for the Rangers to win the Stanley Cup. And I really appreciate going to happen. You doing that, by yes, the way. Yeah. Well, I, I most most fans should because it wasn't going to happen if I stayed. 
Uh, uh, yeah, my brothers had season tickets for 17 years, I think, when I was growing up. So I got to go to a lot of games when one of them couldn't make it. And, uh, you know, had a lot of heartbreak with some of those teams leading up to, to 94. But 94 was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I'm just hoping we could do it one more time before I die. You know, like, that would be nice. I just want one more. I'm not asking for a lot, Tim. The Penguins get one every other year, and so do the Blackhawks. Just give me one. That's all. I'm a big market. What well, uh, was it, 50, 52 years the last time was the wait? So we're yeah. what, 20 into that. We're almost we're almost halfway there. Halfway home. Uh, so, Greg, you brought Tim on to kind of talk a little bit about New York sports this week. A lot going on. The Giants firing of Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese. Otani saying, I'm not going to be the next Babe Ruth. And also uh, the New York Rangers somehow losing most of their center depth, if not all. Uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about the Rangers stuff, or we did already earlier. Haha, <laughs> spoiler alert, we recorded this before. Um, but let's start with uh, Ben McAdoo and the New York Giants. Uh, uh, Tim, tell me what your perception of this shit show was. Uh, glad to see him go. Thought he should have gone after last year. Certainly thought he should have gone before he had the chance to bench Eli. And think we should have gone before him. I just, I, I, I really, can't tell you. This just, team has been as bad as it's been the last couple of years because he has just failed with basically every draft he's, he's overseen. I, I can't tell you how much it warms my heart, Tim, that the last week has been you complaining about Eli Manning and then Otani saying no to the Yankees. It's a real role reversal, and it's, it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's usually you complaining about Mets managers or, or something like that, but that kind of gives me a chuckle for the day. But, uh, the Otani thing, I'm not not really angry about. I thought he was coming to the Yankees. At least that's what uh, everything was laid out as. He was, you know, he wanted to play in New York. But you know what? Have fun in San Diego. So I, listen, I, as, I, as a huge Yankee fan, uh, uh, I I'm really <laughs> upset about this. Guy's a chicken. He's a chicken. Didn't want to come play in the best market. Could have been a star here. Now I understand he doesn't want to share the light with Tanaka, and that's the real reason he's not coming. He said he wanted to be the solo, quote-unquote, Japanese star somewhere else. So he can enjoy his time with the tiny little media market in San Diego where he's going to end up. And listen, he's just scared of the limelight. That's all I'm saying. Don't, don't come here. You don't, wanna, you don't yeah. want the lights? It's fine. It's fine. I can't say I disagree with most of that. I haven't <laughs> heard that he you know, wanted to back away from, from pitching with Tanaka. That's an interesting uh, scenario there because... You would think that that would make it more comfortable for him to assimilate. You'd be able to, you know, talk to somebody in the in the clubhouse every day. But you know, at least he won't have any pressure to win now. Yeah, one of the big storylines apparently was complete obscurity. Yeah, Otani apparently didn't want to play in the same media market as an established Japanese star, which was a turnoff from uh, Tanaka, obviously. But I, my favorite Yankee fan take for this entire thing are Yankee fans saying how. There's never been a star that has played an inning of baseball in Seattle or San Diego. Those places just don't produce stars. <laughs> uh, you can't be internationally yeah, famous. Yeah, that Ichiro guy places. was a bum. Ichiro, Ken Griffey Jr., Tony Gwynn. A-Rod was started out there. Randy Johnston. Yeah, well, yeah, no, no, one, no one gets famous in the West. I understand completely where Yankee fans are coming from. Well, listen, the East Coast is the best fan, coast. Will... I'm just saying. Go on. No, sorry. I'm cutting you off. I was going to say, as a Yankee fan, I would I, I will certainly admit that uh, trying to find logic in a lot of the arguments put up by Yankee fans is, is going to be a losing proposition. Ah, God, it warms my heart. Uh, Tim, bringing it back to the Rangers, uh, considering that I am a bit of a deviant, I think is a fair word to say, mm-hmm. what, would, what would have been uh, – what, what's, your, what's your best 
Greg watching Rangers hockey in Savannah story? In Savannah? Or just with, um, with you. You can, you can include okay. our trip to Tampa. Yes, clarify that. This, this is actually the best one. Is we went down to game four of the, what year was that, 14? Uh, no, it was the year after the Stanley Cup run. It's when we lost the Eastern Conference yeah, something, Finals. Whatever year it was. It was game four in Tampa, the game they, won, they ended up winning. And um, we drive down there for, in the afternoon, go to the game. And we sit down in a couple of seats, actually pretty decent uh, Ranger crowd there. And in comes in the two seats next to us, sits down a kid, you know, young boy, and his, his mother. Those are the only two. The kid's not in the seat for 30 seconds. And Greg turns to him and says, son, I have one word of advice for you. Don't pay for sex. <laughs> Which the mother says, he's nine. What? You did, why'd you do that? <laughs> well, what, what Tim left out is my, uh, my stone-cold defense was, well, I thought he was 11. As if that would have been... <laughs> I did forget that part. That's great. Oh. It had nothing to do with. I don't understand why you do that to that kid. Uh, I had a bit, I had a bit to drink, and really? I don't. I don't. It was Tim was asking me questions about uh, the Brazil trip because this this wasn't terribly far removed from that. And uh, well, yeah, I uh, that was that was that was really classy moment. On my part, I got to tell you. Yeah. All right. Great job, Greg. <laughs> the kid. You know what? You know what was the best thing about it, though. The what? best thing about it is he very closely turned that thing around to making making some time with the mother around it because I think she kind of warmed up to him after that. She was she like, did. she was like, thank she you did. for teaching my kid he the does. ways of life. I don't know. She she seemed a little sweet on Greg by the end of the night. <sighs> I did a, I did a lot of work after that to, because I think this was. Not only a playoff game, but I think it was the kid's first hockey game. And I was trying to get him in on the Rangers very playfully. And uh, he, he, he was shutting me down. Well, and that, I guess, is, as it pertains to the team, the whole Puyat uh, fascination was fun, too. So Greg, was, Greg was just fascinated with, with Puyat. And was, you actually threatened to buy his jersey, and you never did. I sure did. Um, I, that was, that was a longstanding threat. Benoit Pouliot was my boy. He was like, he was as much a reason for me wanting to do a podcast about the Rangers as anyone else. Really? You never bought that jersey, did you? No, I never did. Uh, but hey, I, there's still a chance. I bet you I can still find one. They're, prob- they're probably <laughs> a little cheaper now. I referenced you this weekend about the most obscure jerseys. Uh, you know, you see some people wearing weird ones, and I, I told some folks I was with that nobody has weirder jersey taste than you. And some of the ones. What are some of the Ranger jerseys? Yeah. Uh, well, the I have the two first two Ranger jerseys I ever bought were Jed Ortmeyer, uh, and then Kevin <laughs> Weeks. Those those are firmly my two Rangers. I now I've added a Brady Shea since then. That's a little bit more mainstream. <laughs> uh, and then my Met jerseys. I still have a Marlon Anderson and a Fernando Tatis, and I'm very proud of the Tatis okay. jersey. Yeah. Well, his son's going to be the best player in the MLB, so that's mainstream. nice. Yeah, his son's going to be a teammate of uh, Shohei Otani as well. Bring this all full circle here. Yeah, that's true. Actually, let, let's uh, the odds right now on Otani are, I believe, the Padres. He's also interested in the Giants and the Dodgers, the Cubs, and uh, I mean, I'm missing like two teams there. I think the, the, Mar- the Mariners. Mariners. The Mariners are the prohibitive favorite. I think. I think you have to like pay money to win money with the Mariners. What makes I the really... Mariners so attractive for Otani? Out of curiosity. I. Well, there there is a large Asian community in Seattle, I believe. Yeah, and I I think while Otani doesn't want to be in the same market as an established 
Japanese star. Um, it's hard not to look at the Ichiro blueprint and say that it's not successful with Seattle. That's fair. Uh, he had a Chicago's wonder- kind of the the one that doesn't fit there because that's a big market, and if he doesn't want to be in a big market, that's, uh, that doesn't make sense. Well, it's not just that it's a big market. It's I don't think the Cubs can really offer him a lot in terms of signing bonus money. So he would right. have to really want to play in Chicago. Now, of course, the Cubs have an opening in their starting rotation, and um, he could be a nice platoon against right-handed pitching if you really wanted to play the outfield. But, uh, yeah, the, well, they're the not Cubs, bringing Arietta back probably, right? Probably not. He's, he's, he wants like – he wants like seven years, and the Cubs are just too yeah. smart enough not to give him that. There's definitely dumb teams that are going to give Ariana that. How much by the way, international money all these teams have. Uh, the Rangers, who are still alive, have the most. They're just over three yeah. and a half million. Um, yeah, everyone else is kind of under two million, I think. That's still left. Right. So he's going to have to make his money in marketing and, and stuff like that. Right, but early early returns say he's going to make at least, wherever he signs, he's going to make at least twenty million in advertising money. Right, <laughs> and I think okay. that's the reason why he decided to come over because he was going to make literally no money if he didn't have that advertising money, which makes me feel like he got out of the Yankees, even though he probably could have been uh, heavily advertised here. He's probably going to be able to take over a market in Seattle because Seattle doesn't have anybody else. They don't have a hockey team. They don't have a, a basketball team. I mean, they have the Seahawks, but I mean, Russell Wilson owns that city, and who else? Who's the Seattle Mariner that comes to mind when you think about that team? Nobody. Uh, now there isn't one. They're all they're all former Mariners. Right. So he could become the market. <coughs> you Yankee fans gonna diss Robinson Cano like that? That seems uh, that seems harsh. Yeah, you know, oh, 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 Ro- not all about Cano. Well, listen, Robbie <laughs> left. He left. He, he didn't want the money. He didn't want to stay in New York. He's not a New York guy. He had to get out of here. That's fine. Maybe that's what he's telling Otani the entire time. You don't need New York to be good. You know, you know what we say about him? He wasn't a true Yankee. That's uh, it's not a true well, Yankee. You know who is a true Yankee? Aaron, Aaron I know fucking you, I know you love that reasoning. Oh, my I, God. Hey, you know, I'm fine with that hire because I, I think you? whoever they hired was going to be a bridge to the next manager because they missed the window on all the good co- coaching candidates this year. And... Two years from now, three years from now, the kick boom upstairs somewhere, or back into the, the TV booth and, and hire a, a hot manager who's, who's on the market. So Alex Rodriguez is basically what you're saying. I would love oh, if A Rod was a manager. He would be phenomenal. I'm all on. I'm I'm all in. Put all my money in it. That's all I'm saying. Well, I heard last week he had J Lo's endorsement, so that matters. Oh, <laughs> you know what I would like? J Lo's endorsement. JLo, endorse my podcast. Thanks so much. <laughs> JLo, you could endorse anything you want. Yeah, come on. Let man. me put it that way. Yeah, nice. Um, Tim, now one sex. of the uh, one of the sneaky things that you always talked about when we worked together was um, you worked in news, obviously up in New York, and you would play in a beer league, basically, with some of the uh, people circling around the New York Rangers beat. And you tell me, Kenny Albert may have sneakily been a decent skater in your beer league. Uh, well, yes and no. I mean, we we had a good game. We played uh, we played on Monday night in a place called Skyrink, which was I think the 16th story of what is now the New York Daily News building, uh, about four or five blocks west of Madison Square Garden. And for a couple of years, I covered a, a bunch of Rangers and Devils home games, and got to know a couple of the guys on the beat, Frank Brown and John Delapina, who covered uh, the Rangers at that time. Brown was with the Daily News. Delapina later with the Daily News. Um, 
And they started this game that I came late to. And, yeah, we had all kinds of people dropping by. Kenny Albert, uh, Steve Levy played with us a lot. Uh, John Giannone, as a matter of fact, uh, played with us a lot. Um, John and I would ride up together because for a while John was living in Staten Island and uh, we would drive in together. Uh, I think he goes by EJ Raddick now, but he was a meal then. I knew him as a meal. And uh, Kenny was not a great player. He, he <laughs> Kenny probably played about as well as you would expect Kenny to play. He knew a lot about the game, but he I think he played club hockey for NYU at the time. He was still in college. He was still a student at NYU when he was playing with us. And uh, but he wasn't great. He he, he didn't skate very well. And uh, you know, but uh, but he's a nice guy. And uh, and um, you know, as I said, knew plenty about the game. I just think he should so, come on to this podcast and defend himself. That's it. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That that guy who would eventually be bald, he couldn't play either. Is what. <laughs> was uh, was Steve Zippe involved in this game? And if so, was he as terrible as I imagined he would be? I don't remember him, no, no. But uh, we had a, a, an odd cast that would join us from time to time. Like we had Anthony Michael Hall played with us one night. Um, Sweeney is an actor who played, and he was in some figure skating movie. And I forget the name of it. Something Blades of I don't know what it was. But he couldn't skate, and he had been cast in this figure skating movie. So he came for about four months and played with us every Monday night until he could get at least competent on his, on his feet. And then, he, you know, obviously went out and got some pretty decent lessons. I don't know if you guys remember, there was a advertising campaign. I believe it was Coca-Cola. Max Headroom was like this disembodied head, uh, computer-generated thing. The guy who played Max Headroom was, came and played with this one time. Donnie Lalonde, who I think got got beat up by, it might have been Mike Tyson or something like that. He was a heavyweight contender to play with this. And we'd have, uh, you know, various lines been dropping by on the off season, but it was, it was a lot of fun. We'd play, you know, New York city, when you're playing pickup hockey like that, it was always whenever you get ice time. And we were playing, the Rangers had a lot of Monday night games back then. So we were getting the ice at like midnight or one o'clock in the morning. I forget what it was right. playing till two or three and then going out to a diner after that, you know, complete New York scene. You couldn't do that anywhere else. So and then the fun thing was a buddy of my whoever was driving back to Staten Island with me would we'd go back through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel and probably every third week get stuck behind a line of garbage trucks taking their trash to what was then the Fresh Chills landfill the only landfill in New York City which was located on Staten Island. It was it was a dump for and a we'd reason. Be, we'd be in the tunnel with us. <laughs> it was a dump exactly. It it wasn't just a dump by name. Uh, have you, uh, Tim, have you been to Coaches without me since I left? I missed that place. So explain what Coaches um, is so people know what they're talking about. It's a bar you used to go to, Coach right? That they knew, they, the biggest sports bar in Savannah, yeah. They knew you by name? Uh, well, Greg had an account there, I think. I think they actually had to probably cut back their advertising budget when Greg left because he, <laughs> he was keeping him in business for a while. But, um, and we'd go there on Sundays. I'd meet you there. You were there every week, but I'd meet you yep. there probably a handful of Sundays a year. And um, I think I've been back. Yeah, I'm sure I have. In fact, I almost went there yesterday for the announcement of the uh, Final Four, the coach, the um, college football Final Four. But uh, that didn't work out. We got back from Atlanta like 4:30 in the morning, and I didn't feel like getting up and going over. That's fair. Yeah. No, we that but, coaches uh, was our uh, it was our Ranger playoff spot too because there you there weren't that many places playing a Ranger game in Savannah, Georgia. Exactly. Yep, and actually, that is where I well, the most fun I ever had in coaches was the it must have been the '92 
NLCS, the Sid Green game, I watched there. And not that I had any rooting interest in the game, but every single pl- person in the place was, go- was rooting for the Braves. And if you have that experience in New York City, half the people there either hate the Yankees or hate the Mets, and you don't get the same reaction. So when Bream slid across home plate, you can imagine the scene in Coach's Corner, beer flying everywhere, tables getting turned over. It was, it was unbelievable. It was that, almost as if you were back there. That was, uh, that, that's more memorable than uh, the Ryan Fitzpatrick game at Coach's Corner? <laughs> that was pretty good. That, did, have you ever explained that, Ben? Uh, Ryan, there was a weekend yes. where a couple of our friends were down <laughs> in Savannah visiting for the weekend, and I took them to Coach's for Football Sunday, and – it was Fitzpatrick's last year as a starting quarterback with the Jets. So last year. And my favorite thing to do was to bet money on whether Ryan Fitzpatrick would throw an interception. Okay. Um, it was the easiest bet I've ever made in my entire life. It seems like the dumbest <laughs> bet of all time. <laughs> Everyone is watching. No one is. It was like Jets bills and they were both terrible. No one's watching this game except me. And out of nowhere, Fitzpatrick throws the interception. I lose my mind. I, I basically, like, flipped over a table. And people, people were looking around trying to figure out what TV I was watching and what big touchdown just happened. And uh, Tim turns around and goes, what the hell are you doing? I was like, Fitzpatrick just threw an interception. So yeah. my day is made. It's over now. <laughs> oh, that was pretty outstanding. <laughs> so, Tim, Although you... I did watch the first Giants-Patriots uh, Super Bowl in, in Patriots as well. Yeah, that was before you got to say that. Eli, Eli, or rest in peace, your streak, my friend, even though you're playing this week somehow after they fired everyone. Yeah, I know. That's the dumbest thing, by the way. Like, how are you going to sit the guy for Geno Smith, who, by the way, talks shit about Rex Ryan after Rex Ryan talks shit about him, to go back to starting Eli? Don't you want the higher draft pick? You know they're going to win this week, right? They're going to win. Well, they were, they were, there was a story today in one of the New York papers that there was going to be a fan revolt if, 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 uh, if McAdoo and, and Reese weren't fired by Sunday that they expected the place to just go crazy. I told them they should burn half the building down the Jets' house. Yeah. <laughs> um, let, let's keep with football here. You're kind of in the college football scene. I think that's fair to say, right? Sure, yeah. I don't give a shit about college football. Make me care. <laughs> 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 How I'm do, sorry, what was the question? Uh, I started uh, so, laughing when I heard that no, you... No, <laughs> make, make me care about this Final Four. Should I watch? Is Alabama, Alabama Clemson all it's worked up to be? You know, they played two outstanding games the last two years. They're going to play another one. If Alabama is healthy, it's going to be another, you know, it seems like every week in college football is the game of the century, but uh, this will be another one of those kind of classic games where really there's very little that divide that separates these teams. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you, if you like football, I, I mean, you don't have to necessarily root for either one of those teams to enjoy the game. Uh, I think both matchups are outstanding, and I think whatever combination comes out of it in the championship game will be an outstanding matchup. So, again, you know, to watch football, to watch exciting football, it would be, it'd be fun. But, you know, if you're not waving pom-poms for one team, it's hard to, it's hard to make you <laughs> buy in like that. Okay, I have a question. So, again, football, college football for dummy assholes like me. Uh, how the fuck didn't Auburn get in? Because they lost against Georgia. So if they would have lost against Alabama and then won their game, would they have been in? It's all very confusing to me. Well, I mean, they're a three-loss team. I don't think they were oh, okay. even in the conversation. Okay. So, yeah, they, but um, then they, they beat Georgia by 23 and then lost them by 21. So it was almost a loss there. 
unfortunately for Auburn, those 21 point losses in the conference championship game. Got it. Okay, that makes sense then. Uh, and- how how sweet is it going to be that Georgia sport fans in back to back years are going to get a disappointing Falcons Super Bowl loss followed by a disappointing <laughs> Georgia performance in the college football playoff? I I actually like Georgia's matchup with Oklahoma. I think they'll they'll be fine there. Um, championship game, well, you know, if they get to the championship game, I, I don't know that these folks would be too disappointed if they, um, you know, of course if they collapse like the Falcons did, you know, that that would be traumatic. But uh, that was almost unnoticed compared to what the reaction would be if that happened with Georgia. As you know, there are ten University of Georgia fans in the state at, for every one Falcons fan. So yeah, yeah it would uh, it would be crazy the reaction down here if the, if something similar like that were to happen. Is is the the city is just Savannah even will just shut down when Georgia the week before the game. I can't imagine anyone getting anything productive done, and I can't the amount of Georgia championship related stories you're going to do at the news station that week already frustrates me to no end. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, Savannah getting nothing done would probably just make it another week. And yes, there will be a lot of stories being coming out of there. Uh, there, I mean, we were already doing stuff up in in Atlanta. We did a thirty-minute special before the conference championship game on Friday night. And so, in addition to, as you know, live, you know, every half hour in six meters. It's because, gonna, yeah, I, it's, it's a little. It's a little bit much. I, I can already see the stories of just. How many reporters are going to pitch a story of going to the bar to see how people are preparing for the game? That's going to be everyone's story pitch <laughs> on Monday Every before day. a game on Saturday. <laughs> That's where everybody wants to be. I don't think we had anybody doing that this week because we had four people up in Atlanta. So I don't think we had anybody doing those uh, kind of hyper-local angle. But it's going to be t- what's going to be tough about this one as it relates to, to news is the game's Monday. So your preview day oh. is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be real tough to get. You know, Friday you can, but you're still three days out. What you know, what of of content are you going to do on on Friday? But then you don't have a whole lot of news on Saturday or Sunday, and you're not going to be preempting 60 minutes to get something in on on Sunday night. Oh, so it's uh, it's not a great formula for for coverage out in Pasadena. Uh, I guess that makes guess that makes sense because it's going to be the same weekend as an NFL playoff weekend, so they can't have the game Saturday or Sunday. No, yeah, no, it's always Monday. The, the championship game is always Monday night, and I think the, the, uh, the playoff games have been New Year's Eve the last couple of years. But, um, yeah, and you'll have the same scenario the following week in Atlanta because the championship game will be a Monday night, and the lead up to it will be competing against NFL playoffs and not as, not as much news inventory as you, as you would have during the week. Hmm. So uh, if I was a betting man, and I'm not, someone else in this podcast may be, uh, who would I bet on to win the national championship? Would it be Alabama? Alabama is the favorite, believe it or not. They were the last team in, and they immediately became the, given the best odds. I think they had a 58% chance to beat uh, Clemson, whatever that uh, correlates to Greg as far as the money line. And Oklahoma opened as a three-point favorite over Georgia, and within three hours it was down to one point. Okay. Meaning that money was already coming in on Georgia. So it seems as if the, the first-round favorite could be Alabama and Georgia if you're following the, you know, the early money. And if they, in that matchup, actually, if Georgia were to win in the semifinals, I think well, I think whoever comes out of the Clemson-Alabama game will be the, the favorite in the finals. 
to yeah the I, the only way i can see if oklahoma dominates georgia um and it's a bloodbath in clemson alabama maybe oklahoma gets a small one or two point edge going into the championship game but Alabama is the favorite. They're the best team in college football. They just happened to lose to Auburn. All right. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they look the best all year. I'm not sure that they, they beat the best teams, but, yeah, they, every week they went out there, they played the way they were supposed to play, which you can't say about most teams. So to recap this entire conversation, Otani is going to the Padres. The Giants will definitely win this week, guaranteed, and bet Alabama. I think that we've covered everything. I think we've got it. Greg, is there anything you would ben, like to ask your friend before we head out of here? I don't want to cut him off. Um, well, Tim, you got the shirt. You actually like the shirt, the sex, huh? I believe, is the, is the key to the whole thing. The, 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 what, what is that? I said, and don't pay for sex. Is, is oh, yeah, don't pay for sex. The, the moral right. – the more advice to the, to the preteen child sitting next to him at a hockey game. Well, I think the moral really, of – the, is... the best part of that story was my defense of saying, well, I thought he was 11. <laughs> I he, thought he was 11. You're right. Asshole. I had forgotten all about that. That is <laughs> my new favorite part of the story. Was uh, I, the, the <laughs> second best part – there are two other great parts of that night. Um, first, the Rangers won, which is fantastic. After the game, Tim and I went to this small – like Tiki Bar that was right outside our hotel in walking distance um, from the arena. And this type of Bay Lightning fan, she is just belligerent and just trying to pick a fight with Tim and I. What's the difference? And Are you not belligerent <laughs> at this point? For, for some reason, Ryan, I, I was just in a zone where I, Tim and I didn't say anything to her for her to start this fight. She just saw that we were wearing uh, Ranger jerseys and okay. just wanted to go off on us. She is tearing me apart and ripping me a new one. And for whatever reason, my reaction is just to look her in the eyes. And after everything she says, just to tell her that I love her. Um, and for some reason, it worked because she left. It worked. He turned it around. He turned it he ignored around. her boyfriend the rest of the night and uh, came away with my phone number. The boyfriend was just not happy. Listen, no one, no one slays the women like you, Greg. Uh, and then um, afterwards, Tim and I go back to the hotel. Tim passes out because we've had way too much to drink starting at like four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, the genius that I am decides to get on the phone and try and order us a pizza, but I'm so drunk that I've forgotten the word for pizza. So I'm trying to explain how to make a pizza to the guy on the phone Jeez. because that's what I wanted. Needless to say, we didn't get a pizza. Nothing, nothing got delivered to our room. Can I, can they don't I, like it when you give them the recipe, when you call a restaurant. I just nah. got back from Chicago. This is a total, this is a nice segue. Uh, I had pizza in Chicago. Guys, it's just not pizza. Just to be clear. Just, it is not pizza. Pizza's not pizza. I, you it's know not, what, though? It, it, it doesn't mean it's not good. I, I didn't I, say that. I, it's I good. Actually, it's yeah, delicious. But it's not pizza. I agree completely. It is in no way pizza. Like, it, I have to eat it with a knife and a fork. First off, that's A. It's definitely, you can't fold it. It's not pizza. I was that guy who was eating it with their ha- his hands, and everyone was kind of looking at me because I just didn't understand. I just was so confused. Why would you do this? It's good. It's just not pizza. So it's not even an argument, which is the better pizza. Just saying. Throw it out there. Uh, Tim, you're, you're not going to get an argument from me on that. I'm, I'm with you on that. Perfect. <laughs> Tim, uh, we, we had a bloody civil war last week over – or for the last two weeks. Um, what's, your, what's your thought on pie? Where do you stand on pie? Oh, I am not with you, my friend. I, I, <laughs> I like pie. My, and, and I think we've had this conversation about you. Uh, you listed a whole bunch of things that you would rather do than eat pie. I believe. Yep, like I that. sure did. And, uh, 
Yeah, you were wrong on every one of them. I think that's a, you're just being irrational. I disagree. Pie's overrated. It's the most <laughs> overrated dessert there is. I had There's two, so many better desserts. I had two pies this weekend, and they were both delicious. Thank you so much. Well, you, you had three, because you also had deep dish pizza. Oh, that's true, and I also had pumpkins, so make it four. Um, but yeah, man, deep, it's just pie. It's the cake. It's cake pizza. You're lying to yourself, Chicagoans. Is that what they call themselves? I don't even know. Uh, I, I don't uh, <laughs> This segment has run too long. Tim. <laughs> well, hold on. We, Tim, we need, we need to know if a hot dog is a sandwich. We don't let anyone go without answering that question. Except for three, three of our guests that we did let go. Anyway. Um, you know what? It meets a lot of the criteria, but it's a hot dog. Hot dog is a hot Tim, dog. I, you were friends with Tim? Tim's my guy. Like, I don't know. I thought you guys were close. Let's, uh, easy on the word friend. <laughs> anybody Tim, Tim is, anybody who's close to Greg really agree with him? That's, That's fair, fair, too. I, I would consider myself somehow close to Greg. Uh, I don't even think I am. And I still, it's, he's really hard to deal with and talk to. So you dealt, you dealt <laughs> with this, it for a while. Uh, this turned on me. I was not expecting this. <laughs> this went out really well. Tim, it was a pleasure you having you. You sandwich on hot dog. It's, it's, a, it's everything that makes a sandwich is the same thing that is in a hot dog. I'm done with this. Anyway, <laughs> Tim, thanks for joining Ryan, us. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and go Yankees. Uh, we're going to have a great year. We're definitely championship contenders. All rise, my friend. And uh, I will say that we'll have you back on sometime, if, especially if George is in the championship game. I don't know why we would call you for 10 minutes. Guys, this is fun. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, anytime. If uh, it, it'll be pretty interesting in a couple of weeks, it'll be as Greg knows insane down here. If uh, if Georgia does get that far. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, buddy. See ya. Bye, bye. Talk to you soon. Bye, Tim. We were gonna hang up, but we're instead going to do the end of the podcast, Greg. Oh wow! Okay. Right, it's way an, to catch me off guard. I did. It's an immediate transition. We are still recording for your record. Oh. Uh. I, I did want to do the plugs now and all that. Uh, we ha- I, So you met Tim, for example. He was He's kind of a reporter. He knows the little college football scene. I didn't really ask him that. Tim, Tim is straight up um, one of the best feature reporters in Savannah. And that's, that's not just me saying that because Tim and I have become close and friendly. Um, he's been in Savannah almost as long as you and I have been alive. And he's been doing some great work down there. He's He's... Every year he covers the Masters and Georgia football for the TV station, uh, basically going to all the Georgia home games and the Georgia-Florida game in Jacksonville every year. And, yeah, every April um, he and the sports director, who's Ken Griner now, uh, they go to Augusta for the week and they cover um, the Masters for WTOC in Savannah. He's, he's a fantastic guy. It's just funny that, um, you know, he grew up in Staten Island, I grew up, obviously, in suburban Connecticut. We're both big New York sports fans and just ran into each other and started working together in Savannah, Georgia, of all places. Huh. All right. Well, he seems to know what he's fucking talking about. I'll tell you that. He's Uh, a smart guy. He actually – the craziest thing about Tim is we're not allowed to talk about it with him, uh, and he wasn't allowed to tell us who he voted for. But but we can reveal this. Tim Tim has a Heisman vote. We we didn't talk about who Tim voted for because I didn't want to bring it up. Um, But, yeah, no, Tim – Tim knows his shit, and he gets a Heisman vote every year. And uh, smart, smart guy. I mean, not the brightest guy in the world. He decides to associate <laughs> with me, but he, yeah. Tim, I, I, I have nothing but great things. To say I about. thought Tim was pretty smart. Agree with a lot of my opinions. I was all on Tim. Anyone who's in my bubble, I'm a friend of. Uh, He's flawed. That that lightning game truly is one of my favorite games uh, I've ever been to. I think "Don't Pay uh, for Sex" is the new model of Blue Shirts Breakaway. <laughs> just, just. <laughs> 
What what Tim? Uh, the thing we didn't talk about with Tim is after that game, uh, someone not well during the game, someone threw a nickel at me. Okay, it's just a weird thing to throw at someone. Well, it and was, I remember was that I remember because like, turning around being like, "Who throws a nickel? Like, yeah. why a nickel?" Yeah, but uh, uh, well, listen, you are um, you, do I say it? You know, you know what? You might be like um, of a you know a religion. I stood up and go, how'd you know? Yeah, like, how'd you know I was Jewish? Those were the words I said. Because it's just unbelievable. But yeah, that, for whatever reason, that 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 kid was great. He, uh, that's awesome. Man. He was fantastic. I was playing the role of just like drunken dad with him. And for some reason, the mom was a fan of it as well. Um, not a fan of it, I think, were the two people sitting next to her who were yeah. a bit on the older side. And they were like, she was being very nice to you. Like, those were the words that they decided to use to me after the game. And I was like, lady, I don't care. I'm not going to see you ever again. My team just won a hockey game. Uh, I, I do not care what you're thinking about. So I um, I want to make this transition real quick. I went to Chicago. I, I said that before this week for work. Um, I got the, uh, I guess, the opportunity to go see a Hawks game. I have yeah, to say, you killed Corey Crawford. I killed Corey Crawford myself. I was there. And I was like, I'm going to put an end to this dynasty. Uh, so I, I took care of him, but while I was there, I, I gotta, I gotta make a few comments about the United Center. Uh, it was very nice. I have to say they just renovated it. So there's a lot of bars and such. A- every seat in the house is nice. I was surprised how good it was. I, I kind of walked around the stadium and went to a couple seats before I sat down. And then you're talking about how you were kind of, uh, I would say intoxicated at this game at this playoff game. The people, yeah. I went to this game alone. The people next to me were these, these three wonderful girls who just hounded me the entire time to go out with them afterwards, and I had to be up at 6 a.m. to work again the next morning. Uh, I know I sound like a, a little tiny baby at this point. Uh, they were not very interesting, I'll say that, but they continued to talk to me the entire game, and I became sort of an old curmudgeon at the game, and I was like, guys, listen, I'm just here to watch hockey. And that I felt no, so... No. I know. I, I became that guy very quickly where I was like, guys... Just here to watch the game. That's it. But they were like, you got to come out with us. They were like grabbing my leg and stuff. I was like, I don't really know how to handle this situation. I wasn't really a big fan of the three of them. They were smashed. Uh, so I, I kind of like, they asked me to go out and I kind of like ran out and got my Uber driver who became my best friend. Who I guess I should also talk about. I, my Uber driver, his name is Ali. We became bros and he invited me to his wedding and I played cards with him and he took me to breakfast. So that was, that was kind of wild. Uh, piggybacking off your story, yeah. I will say there are things that I never thought would be fun to do alone that I now realize are really enjoyable. Right. Um, going, going to movies is still number one. Going to movies I, is I, number one. Yeah. I, anyone who says going to movie alone is um, sad. No, the purpose of going to a movie is to go enjoy the movie experience and going alone allows you to simply enjoy the experience uninterrupted and not having to worry about the social atmosphere of going to the movie. It's fantastic. If you haven't gone to a movie by yourself, do it. There are a couple great movies coming out very shortly. Go see all of them by yourself. The Disaster Fuck Artist. It. The Disaster Artist. Uh, I'm so excited. We're going on Thursday. It was incredible. Uh, two, going out to eat alone is actually quite enjoyable. I love that uh, too. It, it allows you, you can bring a book. It, it lets you read and enjoy a meal by yourself. Uh, if you want to go watch a game of some kind at a bar and you want to get some food while you're doing it, you're there to do whatever you want to do and enjoy the food you want to enjoy. And you don't have to worry about how anyone else's night is going besides your own. And it's it's quite liberating. And number three, going to sporting events by yourself. 
It was fun. It's actually quite fun. Yeah. Uh, I've been to a handful of Met games now by myself. Um, it, it it's, it's not I, – I would think sporting events were the one thing I would be like, why would anyone want to do this by yourself? You can text anyone you want to during the game or in between innings. I it allowed the two Met games I've seen solo. It just lets me focus on the game, which is really all I want to do anyway. Uh, I don't feel like I need to – cater to anyone's needs at the stadium that might not be having a good time. Yep. Um, and it's just a social environment like you, you just, you run into random people. You, you'd never thought you'd ever come across and you just strike up a conversation about something weird. And it's just, it's a good time. I, I love going to sporting events by myself. It's- I, now I would bet it depends on the sporting event. Like, I don't think I want to, I don't want to go to a football game with friends, let alone. Yeah. I don't, I don't ever want to go to a football game. Alone. Yeah. Um, but uh, baseball games are perfect solo. I'd imagine hockey games are great solo just because the game is moving so quickly. Um, best college basketball, I bet you, is probably better solo than an NBA game just because a college basketball game is quicker. Yeah. And also, the, the, the fans are probably way more rowdy. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like a, depending on the matchup you're seeing of an NBA game, it, you, I, you might need a buddy. Um, I went to a Knicks game with some friends and I, I was like, wow, I, you know, it, unless it's like a really exciting game where you're watching like two high intensity teams, NBA games for me can be a little slow. Yeah. It's they're They're not my favorite thing in the world. They, they take a while to get going. And then the thing about the NBA is even now you really only need to watch the last five minutes of the game. You really do. And I mean, I can watch Steph Curry do anything and LeBron James, but n- when Porzingis isn't playing on the Knicks, like, what am I doing? Why am I watching? Yeah, That's- it's just, it, it feels empty. I don't know. I, I've i always been more of a college basketball fan than an NBA fan just because I, I think the game is, is quicker and more entertaining and more non, like, nonstop action. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's weird because I this year especially, and I think it mostly had to do with the fact that I gambled more on college football than I did on NFL football this year. I thought college was more of an entertaining product. I, I don't think it has anything games. to do with the fact that you gambled on it. I think it's just dead seriously a more effective product these days. The NFL has almost no stars. This is a question I asked one of our uh, our dear friends, Dan LaRose. I said, name me stars outside of right now that are playing, not injured, other than Tom Brady and Antonio Brown. Go. Brown's hurt. I don't even know if Brown's playing. He play, he's playing right now. He just It was announced he's playing. Okay. Um... Russell Wilson. Okay, that's one. Um, and the stars have to be a draw. Like they're, you're like, okay, I'm gonna watch the game because this guy's playing. Like you, you drop what you're doing to go see this guy play football. Yes. So like, uh, I, I would consider people that are injured that you would watch play football or suspended. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, I mean, those are, I, I can't really name too many stars in the NFL right now. I feel like we're missing a lot. JJ, yeah, JJ Watt. When you th- when you think of the really good teams this year. Uh, Carson Wentz has been fun, but you're not going out of your way to see him. Nope. Um, you think of a team like the LA Rams. There's no one really on that. As great as Todd Gurley has been this year, you're not going out of your way to watch Todd Gurley play football. No, you're not like, holy shit, Todd Gurley. Whereas when Ezekiel Elliott's on, you're like, everyone's got to turn this on. Ezekiel Elliott's going crazy. Uh, I, I don't think Big Ben has ever been a guy you turn a TV on for. Um, uh, as, a, as, as, as a Steelers race. fan, I totally agree with you. He was never that dominant guy, even uh, though he's been very good. 
the the Vikings have been one of the best teams in football. There's not a single person on that team you're thinking about. Case Keenum is your dude, and Adam Thielen is somehow one of the top five wide receivers, and yet not talked about it like that. So uh, let's see who. What other teams are there? This year? I like to remind everyone I hate football, and yet I know everyone's name and all the teams. Um, Philip Rivers. I mean, he's been fucking fantastic. Right, but you. but Phil like has lost his luster. He had that star luster for a while, and I don't think he has it anymore. You know, if the Giants never traded Philip Rivers, I bet you they never bench him. Um, oh my god! Ha- hashtag at least two. <coughs> that, <laughs> that I should explain this. My, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, the easiest way to get my Giant fan friends angry is to tell them that Philip Rivers, if they never traded Philip Rivers for Eli Manning. He would have at least won the same amount of Super Bowls or more. as Manning did, yeah, or more, um, because Philip Rivers is just a better quarterback than Eli Manning, the which Man- is in- indisputable. The Manning games are are legendary. I know, sure. it, I know, it's you getting your friends angry, but the two Pats Giants Super Bowls are maybe the two most entertaining moments in sports. Period. That's fine. Those games aren't close if Philip Rivers is the quarterback because he's got a two touchdown lead. Uh, at the end of the game. That's fine. Um, oh, I can't do this. What other what other teams? But no, name, yeah, name, no, name me a star. Like, like we've named so far, we have Russell Wilson, uh, Antonio yeah, Brown, I, I, and Tom Brady. Um, that's it, man. There's nobody. Yeah, I'm not going out of my way to watch Newton. Cam Newton hasn't been good, so I'm not really going out of my way to watch him. That's it. Uh, this uh, is my point. You know, like, you know, you know I'd, I'd watch Drew Brees. If you told me you had tickets to a Saints game, I would go. Okay, that's fair. I, I'll give you the exception on that one. But but the NFL isn't creating stars like they used to. I feel like the league a couple years ago was riddled with either young up-and-coming quarterbacks who had the luster of, of that. You lost Tony Romo. You lost Aaron Rodgers. You lost the best running backs. You lost all the good wide receivers to injury. Julio Jones has taken a step back despite having 250 yards last week. It, it's no one is really is really sticking out, and the NFL you're following for the logo more than you are the star power. Whereas in the NBA, every team has a star, pretty much. That and I just, I, it's so much easier in college football for one player to take over a game, and it, the one player doesn't even have to be a quarterback. Like as much as people love Saquon Barkley, the running back for Penn State. He's not going to be as dominant in the NFL. He's going to be good in the NFL, but he'll be nowhere near as dominant where opposing teams are like, I, we can't give this guy an opportunity to have the football in college. Whereas in the NFL, Barkley will, like, I don't know. The, the NFL game is weird. Think of it like Tom Savage threw 360 yards last week. It's not that hard. And, and yet his team still only scored 13 points. Yeah. So and- it's just – and then Brett Huntley's uh, through 80 yards, and they won. That, that's my guy, by the way. Big I'm, Brett Huntley guy. I'm aware. I don't know why, but. He, I just love him at UCLA, man. I was a big fan. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. That's the, NF, the product, I don't understand why anyone would want to watch one NFL game and not just put the Red Zone channel on. Even- like, it's that kind of season. Just show me, Just show me the games that are about to score. I don't need to sit down and watch from start to finish, any one team play a football game. I just don't – they they can't make me care. And I know I'm an avid football hater, and everyone knows that. I just I, – I, the NFL does everything wrong, and it bothers me. But Now, Tom, I know we talked Otani with Tim. Do you want to talk some of the other MLB offseason storylines before we go? Yeah, I would love to. I actually want to make one more point. You were making sure. the three things about going to a loan to. Uh, I'm not a big museum guy somehow. I, usually when I go to museums with groups, I kind of get annoyed – and uh, I, I like to take my time or and I like to move faster at my own pace. I went to the Chicago Museum of Art, and I've never been more impressed with an art museum. 
art's not even my thing. I got to see a lot of the paintings that I saw in textbooks as a kid, and it was a very surreal, peaceful experience for myself. And I recommend anyone to go to that in Chicago. That's it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not a big. I, I doubt there would be a scenario where I'd be like, let's go to this museum. Um, but I will say the most impactful museum I've ever been to was the Holocaust Museum in Berlin. Yep. And wow. that was uh, that was part of a school trip. And we went to a lot of museums on you that You went to trip. Berlin on a school trip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it that's was, cool. Uh, it, it was a Jewish history class in, in, during our spring oh, break. That, that makes sense. Um, we did five days in Berlin and five days in Prague. That's I great. would go back to Prague tomorrow. Prague was beautiful. And I feel like I didn't get enough time in that city to do everything I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so we did a lot of museum trips in both Berlin and Prague. For whatever reason, uh, the Holocaust Museum was one of the museums where we were allowed to experience it on our own. And that that place knocked my socks off. Like it 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 was a life altering experience, and I don't think it would have been as impactful if I had to do that in a group. I think that was something I needed to experience on my own in my own way in right. order for me to understand everything about that museum. So I agree with you on that. I'd, I'd say museums, uh, if you if you're at the right one and you're at somewhere where you think it can make a big impact on your life. Yeah, that, I'd, I'd say that's somewhere you want to go. Somewhere. It was just such a weird thing. Like, I, I'm not a huge art guy in general. I, I appreciate art, but I'm never, I'm in no way obsessed with it. But seeing, like, some Monet's and Salvador Dali's, like, and Van Gogh's in person uh, was really like, holy shit, these people are icons. And I'm, I'm looking at their their original work that I've seen everywhere on the internet and in textbooks my whole life, and it's right in front of me. So that was, like, a really surreal, cool moment. Anyone should go if you're in Chicago. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's a museum I would have gone to. But at the same time, if I think about it like if i was ever in paris i i'd, I'd be i'd bet you i'd go to the louvre oh yeah really it was right next to the stuff. chicago bean i was trying to be a tourist i only had four hours to go and do the museum do the bean eat a deep dip pizza and go to the chicago hawks game that was my entire time in chicago because otherwise i was working so I, I tried to do a tourist as hard as possible since i was there yeah um all right let's talk about the mlb storylines which one do you want to start with uh, well, Stanton seems to be the big non-Otani storyline. It does seem like he's going to get traded this week. It does. It said two to three days. So supposedly the St. Louis Cardinals are out. I know that it's like they, they're still consideration, but it seems to be just the Giants and the Dodgers at this point. Before, yeah, before, the, that's the weird thing. It, I remember um, the recent reports over the weekend were talking about how the Giants and Cardinals had acceptable offers already on the table in, ter- in terms of the Marlins, but... Before that, I could have sworn I saw reports saying Stanton's not going to St. Louis. I swore that too, and now all of a sudden it's like St. Louis is still in, and he wants to be in California where he's born and raised, and he wants to be over there and playing for his sort of quote-unquote hometown. Now the Dodgers, if they can make a better offer, supposedly the other reports are uh, the Marlins don't care about the player talent return. It's more about keeping the money, which is... Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like the best player the Marlins would get from the Giants is Joe Panic. Well, yeah, okay. That guy. Joe Panic. Joe Panic is a fine league average player. He's above he's the re- definition replacement level, but not by much. Definition of a two win player. Like, if you're a good team, you would want Joe Panic to be your seventh or eighth best hitter. Absolutely. He's a. He, if he's hitting sixth, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> so. You never. You never want Joe Panic to be the centerpiece of your trade for your franchise player. Seems off, especially. I, I mean, <clears throat> Joe Panic has never played a major league baseball inning away from second base. So if the Marlins get Joe panic, they're going to have to sell low on D Gordon because every team could just be like, well, you have to trade D Gordon. Now I don't need to give up anything good to get him." Right. Yeah. I just, 
it's it's such a strange situation for Stanton because he has the ability to veto it. So I think that right. the, the Marlins would, you know, uh, ship him out for less, and they just want to get rid of him. They don't want this contract. So he's probably going to be, if I had to guess, he's going to be a giant. But the Dodgers can probably actually send, take the money and send back a talented piece where the Marlins like this is a better deal. Yeah, but at the same time, the the we haven't just heard much about the Dodgers really. We keep hearing that the Dodgers could get involved at any time, but we haven't really heard anything beyond just people expecting the Dodgers to get involved. Like we had, they haven't exchanged players with the Marlins in terms of the structure of a trade. Nope. It seems like the Dodgers are more focused on Otani than they are worrying about Stanton. And that's where the whole Otani thing gets confusing because both the Giants and Dodgers are very much alive in the Otani sweepstakes. Yeah, they're a West Coast team. I still, I still think it's going to come down to the Mariners and the Padres. It just um, the, this, Our friend Joe Binks, who's been on this podcast, shared information with us that has been out there about just how involved the Padres are with Japanese baseball. Um, and San Diego has a very large Asian-American population that could be a great spot for Otani to make his own name. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really does. And obviously the Padres have holes both in their rotation and their outfield. So it's not like Otani is displacing anyone. Whereas if Otani was going to the Dodgers, I, I get where he fits in with the rotation. I'm not 100% sure where he would fit in in that outfield. They have so many hitters. There's so many. So I, I just don't see how they, they hit him. But I mean, they would obviously do it. I, I, they'd find a way, but I like the the Giants. There's a there's an obvious hole. The Padres, there are obvious holes. The Mariners, there's an obvious hole. The Dodgers and the Cubs, for that matter, too. They're just there's so much talent on those rosters that I'm not sure how they can say for for 100 certainty there would be at bats for Otani. I I just I don't think the Dodgers end. I think the Padres are almost a lock at this point. That's where I'm I. At. My money is on the Padres, and I know they're not the favorite, but it it feels <coughs> it's felt like San Diego for a while now. I agree. Uh, uh, what other storylines are there in the MLB right now? This is the big two, really. Yeah, it kind of feels like the entire offseason is waiting for those two Otani drop, and yeah. Stanton just to make their moves. Um, the Yankees, I've said this on Twitter multiple times, it they got three and a half million dollars in international slap money. If they're not just dumping that money on Kevin Maytan, what do you I don't mean? understand what they're doing. Yeah, Kevin Maytan has to be your number one top priority. He's, I think he's 17 now, but he's... Uh, I think he's 19. No way, dude. He's really he's, young. He, I thought he's been around for a couple of years. No way. I'm going to Google this right now. Maytan. He's the typing, everybody. Uh, he's 17 years old. And yeah, dump, dump your money on him. He's the best. If Artani wasn't available this offseason, he's the only guy we'd be talking about. Yeah, exactly. It's not even close. And he's going to be, he's sort of the prospect the Braves tampered with to get. So he's one of them. They, they lost 12 very good prospects. He's the big one. Yeah, he's, he's a guy that if he was available come this July, teams would be spending their entire international slot money to sign and, him. And, the and they'd be going be, over their slot money to sign him. The Yankees will be doing that, so hopefully that, uh, that, that is I the case. I don't know. They, I saw the report today that they're looking at a couple of the Braves' prospects and none of them are made That's crazy, dude. Uh, I know that's like the the conventional wisdom says, hey, spend all your money on the best prospect. Maybe they don't like him as much or maybe they, they scouted him and we're like, it's not worth it for us. We'll take our shots other ways. But their, their talk, they, the report I saw today was the – uh, Cuban outfielder um, Martinez, I think. They're looking at him, and they're also looking at Severino. 
where not Luis Severino. There's an there's another Severino, Junior uh, Severino, I think. One of the one of the three best prospects the Braves lost is this um, kid Severino, and the Yankees were looking at him. I to for the life of me, I, I don't know why they don't just. The Rangers are still in on Otani. While the Rangers are tied up with Otani, just go to Maytan now and just be like, hey, here's our entire slot money. Take it, become a Yankee. I, how does he turn that down? He can't. No other. As long as the Rangers think they have a shot with Otani, there is no team within spitting distance of the Yankees in terms of bonus money. Exactly. So just go and do it. I know they want to get. I, just do it. I don't. I don't understand. Let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. We've gone super long. Uh, so I mean, we've gone long every podcast now. I don't understand. Yep. Uh, That's what we do. Listen, guys. Thanks for listening today. A lot of non-Rangers in, the, in our interview section, but we killed it up front. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. Our Twitter is bumping and growing every single day. And Instagram's okay. That's all right. Blue Shirts Breakaway. And as I said in the beginning of the ad, we're trying to get to 69 five-star reviews on iTunes. Hmm. So How many do we have now? I think we have 32. So oh, it's, yeah. More than I thought. Yeah, so just, just go to iTunes, write anything you want, and at the end of it, just write nice. That's it. That's all um, I have. Now, I'm going to say this on the podcast to put us in a situation to actually do it. What are you doing Friday? You this got plans Friday? This Friday? I do yeah. at night. Why? What's up? Uh, Disaster Artist Podcast. Ooh. We haven't done a bonus pod in a while, and I feel like we're. I'm seeing Disaster Artist on Thursday. What time Friday? I could do like early Friday afternoon. I'm off all day. This is the best. Okay. I could do that. Uh, I could definitely tell. I'm obsessed with the Tommy Wiseau and the Disaster Artist. Not a lot I of people. Will, I will have I will have takes as soon as Thursday night. Not a lot of people will care about this podcast. And I totally understand. But if you are want to listen to the podcast, uh, go out and watch the room. It's on YouTube. It's for free. Just type in the room full movie. You'll find it. It's the worst movie of all time. I swear you'll enjoy it. And uh, then James Franco's movie, The Disaster Artist, is coming out this week. It is phenomenal. I saw it on Friday night. So. I will say that more people are probably going to see the disaster artist than they saw Baby Driver. And we did a Baby Driver pod. You think so? That's my guess. I don't think so at all. No, Baby Driver is like a smash hit summer hit. Um, But yeah. All right, let's end this thing. We got to go. Talk to you later, Greg. Bye. Bye.